Howdy, everybody. Thanks for tuning in again. Let me say first off that that punk rock concert I was anticipating in the last video was wonderful. The Avengers opened, a band that had also opened for the Sex Pistols in San Francisco on their last tour. They were excellent. I went up to the stage and watched them by myself while my wife waited at the table. Have fun, she said as I walked to the front. Hope you get spat on. True story. And then she came up with me to watch Stiff Little Fingers, and they too were brilliant. My only regret is that I did not get showered with beer as I did the time I went to see The Damned with one of my daughters. But I, I did suffer another 10% or so of permanent hearing loss, so I guess I can't complain. Well, getting back to economics, I received a nice note from one of my viewers suggesting a theme for the next video. She wrote, could you do one on why we can afford universal health care? Well, that's a great idea, Teresa. Let's do that right now. Now, the word afford has been coming up a lot lately as the Democrats try to position themselves to challenge the tweeter in chief or the, the twit in chief, whatever his official title is. And of course, this is nothing new. Afford has been used selectively to discourage, downgrade and eliminate many policies over the year and both here and abroad. Hence, it would be an awfully good idea to understand what we mean by it or rather what we should mean by it. And let me tell you right now, it's very often used incorrectly when applied to macroeconomic issues. Afford means something very different when we're talking about the United States of America versus your family. Now, the quick explanation is going to be that for the USA, we're limited only by resources and never by money. Both the private and public sectors create brand new money every day. A lack of money could never prevent this country from undertaking a specific program. Lack of resources could, though. Now let me explain by example. Now, my wife, uh, she's a fourth grade teacher. I've always thought her as, as higher than fourth grade, but uh, she's, she's humble. Uh, in her classroom, she issues something she calls Harvey Bucks. Students receive these in exchange for good behavior. Now, I don't know exactly how she keeps track of it, but let's say she uses a piece of paper and makes little tally marks on it. And then when a student uh, uses their Harvey Bucks, then either Mrs. Harvey erases them or she marks them out or whatever, or she could use a spreadsheet. They've got so much wonderful technology nowadays, even into grade schools. It's, it's, uh, but let, let's go with the piece of paper and the tally marks example. Now, why would any of her students give two hoots about having a Harvey Buck? And, and think about the, the broader economic implications here. Uh, there's a wonderful quote from Hyman Minsky that I read in one of Randy Ray's publications. It said, anyone can create money. The problem lies in getting it accepted. Well, that's exactly right. Well, for example, the U.S. dollar is the only thing the United States government accepts for payment of your taxes. Taxation, therefore, creates a sort of anchor demand for the dollar and thereby gives it value. But what about Harvey Bucks? What gives them uh, their value? Now, Miss Harvey, who sometimes let me, lets me call her Melanie, she doesn't impose a tax, but she does have a menu of rewards that students may purchase with their Harvey Bucks. This is what creates the desire to hold Harvey Bucks and to earn them. And it's, the, the rewards are things like, I don't know, uh, being allowed to skip a homework assignment or, or being allowed to take a toy from the treat box and so forth. And here's one she told me about I thought was really neat. You can spend your Harvey Bucks to be allowed to have a friend from another class come and eat lunch with you in the classroom. Well, that sounds kind of fun. Uh, to be honest, it's a bit of a pain for my wife because it's more difficult to get any work done when they're not all off in the cafeteria, but, but it's a neat reward, so it remains on the menu. And it's a perfect example of what we're trying to think of here with healthcare and the concept of afford. Now, there's a physical limitation to how many students could possibly come to visit in Miss Harvey's classroom. That's a resource constraint. There's no Harvey Bucks constraint. I mean, consider, let's say there's 20 desks and 20 chairs in Miss Harvey's classroom. 
Therefore, there can be no more than 10 guests. That would be 10 Miss Harvey students who could cash in their Harvey bucks to have 10 friends visit. But at that point, we're out of chairs. Now, running out of Harvey bucks, on the other hand, is impossible. Oh, sorry, little Susie. I'd like to award you 1,000 Harvey bucks for dragging your classmate out of that burning building, but we just can't afford it. What the hell, Miss Harvey? Of course you can afford it. All you gotta do is put some more of those damn tally marks on that piece of paper, and those kids need to clean up their language. Uh, what's wrong with you, Miss Harvey? You got writer's cramp? Well, actually, you might after awarding a thousand Harvey bucks, but, but you, you see the point, right? It's ridiculous. Seating for classroom lunch guests can never run short simply because we ran out of Harvey bucks never, ever. However, we are limited by the fact that we only have 20 chairs. We may be able to add chairs over time and chairs may wear out, but in the meantime, we can have no more than 10 Mrs. Harvey students and their 10 guests. Now, I, I got excited as I was writing this thinking, let's also talk about inflation, like if she issued too many Harvey bucks, but I, 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 I reined myself in, well, I'm going to stay on target here. All right, so going back to healthcare, first off, afford clearly does not mean money. No lib neoliberal Democrats, there is not a scarce supply of money in the sense that we need to raise taxes to get enough money to afford health care. There are some very good reasons to raise taxes on certain groups, but this ain't one of them. If we need money, we can just do what we do every time we invade some poor developing country and we need some cash to do it. We just create it. We issue new money. Now, Mrs. Harvey doesn't need to tax her students when she issues new Harvey bucks. All she does is put down more tally marks, just like the U.S. government does, right? Now, however, if we're going to go back into the, the idea of, of can we afford health care from a resource question, uh, now that's, that's the real question right there. Money is beside the point. Resources are the issue. So let's start small here. Let's think about it this way. Let's think. Could we afford to provide universal health care that gives us the exact same level of services that we have right now? You know, the one that gives us the 37th best infant mortality and life expectancy in the world, and incidentally, the highest per capita cost in the world. Well, obviously we can do that, because we're already doing it right now. There's no question that we can quote-unquote afford to provide universal health care to match our current level of services. We'd obviously be shooting for more equal distribution of those services, but we could provide them at the current level, absolutely. Clearly we can, because we're already doing it. All right, now let's go a little further. But what if we want to increase the level of services, which of course is our real goal? Well, I got to tell you, I was a little disappointed here. I did some research looking into uh, articles on whether or not you know, people surely have looked at, do we have the resources? I couldn't find a thing. I couldn't find a thing from a scholar addressing the question of, do we have the resources to increase our provision of health care? Everybody's talking about money. So anyway, we're going to have to figure this out for ourselves. Well, unfortunately, it's not as simple as counting the chairs in Mrs. Harvey's classroom. If Mrs. Harvey's class has five visitors, we know from glancing around the room that the resources exist to accommodate five more. But how can we tell with health care? Well, let me suggest first that if every other developed and many developing nations are already providing care on a level higher than us, then I strongly suspect that it is possible. We either have chairs that are unoccupied right now, to continue the analogy, or that have been tipped over, or that are being hogged by your fourth grader elites who are busy quintupling the price of insulin. Unless we are the crappiest country on, the world, on earth, a title for which we do appear to be competing, but good luck to the UK. 
then of course it's possible to offer a level of services per person that is comparable to that in Japan, Germany, the UK, Ireland, France, Belgium, Australia, New Zealand, the Netherlands, etc., etc., etc. Now this does not mean that there would not be economic consequences, and there may be some folks who are worse off, just as there was with the Emancipation Proclamation. It's just that we weren't too terribly concerned in 1863 with what happened to those people whose wealth had been created from other people's misery. Now, universal health care would likely be a blow to the private health care industry, which would still exist, of course, but on a small, smaller scale. I wouldn't want to be a CEO of one of those companies anymore. That's real sad. And if we included some reasonable and much-needed reforms along with the universal health care, this might be a blow to big pharma. Excuse me, I, I'm tearing up. Now, it's also possible that some decent working class folks will be hurt too, but that's why we need a federal job guarantee. And in fact, it would probably be a boon to the actual health care providers since they would now be expanding operations. Long story short, of course we can afford it. Only our political will, unfortunately corrupted by political power, is preventing us. Let me leave you with this. Do you know why Harvey Buck still exists in November 2019? Because we have really good insurance and we could afford the test that detected Melanie's cancer back when it was curable. Otherwise, she would have been dead a long time ago just like all the other uninsured and underpaid people who did die between October 2016 and today. In fact, according to a research project undertaken by Families USA, a nonpartisan policy analysis group, and I quote, more than 26,260 Americans aged 25 to 64 died in 2006 because they lacked health insurance, more than twice as many as were murdered. I got a funny feeling we can do a lot better than that. And you're right, Teresa, we can't afford universal health care. Thank you. Oh, I hope you like the shirt.